Hello, my name is Crystal Hall, and I want to welcome you to the 14th episode of Overcomer, Living a Full Life After. So I first want to briefly mention my absence. I've not posted a podcast in about two weeks, and essentially something happened a couple weeks ago that kind of threw me off, and I'm still processing it, and I hope to, in the future, share a little bit about what transpired and kind of of what I'm doing in order to work through it and come out in a better place, not only for myself, but for the people that I care deeply about and that I love tremendously. Today's episode is going to be on how do we have people in our lives truly support us when we have gone through this. And I'm going to say that I do consider myself lucky in the sense that I did have a couple of people early on that were extremely helpful to me. I will be forever grateful for the support that they provided me. This isn't about them. This is more about, I think, people who are, you know, like friends that aren't quite sure. They are in your lives. These may be people who are your co-workers that maybe you have friendships with. These may be family friends and maybe they were kind of feeling stuck in the middle because they have a relationship with your spouse. It's really more for people who just aren't quite sure about what to do for you. I'm just going to kind of give a couple of examples of what I kind of went through and kind of the change, if you will, that I saw in the people around me and what I wish I would see at this this point. I think part of it is that when you're going through a traumatic experience, there are going to be things that are going to cause anxiety. And for me, I'd never been one who had ever experienced panic attacks until I went through this. And so going through a panic attack and the first time it happened, I actually thought I was having a heart attack and actually called 911 and had firefighters show up at my house because I was convinced that I was having a heart attack. And they were the ones that basically said, no, not a heart attack. It's a panic attack. So there was a couple of times where I was at events with coworkers, you know, people who I consider to be the friends through work. And one incident in particular, I had been invited over to a colleague's apartment. She was having like a margarita party. I We were socializing. I had a couple margaritas and I had to go check my phone for something. And I, I can't remember what I had to check my phone for. I had to check my phone. And so I was sitting in this other room by myself. The feeling of just having to get out of there became came so overwhelming that I literally just left. I did not let anybody know that I was leaving. I just left. And so I had people worried about me because where's Crystal? What happened to Crystal? Where did Crystal go? And I ended up driving home because at the time, I'm not even going to say at the time, because even now when I, I, I have these moments, my safe place really literally is my bed. And so all I could think about was being able to get home and get to my bed and be able to be with my cat and my dog and just get to my place where I felt the safest. Where I was living and where I was coming from, where the party was at, was a good hour and a half, maybe two hour drive. I knew that 
I couldn't even bear talking to anybody. And so I essentially turned off my phone to where I wasn't going to be able to take any phone calls, that sort of thing. So again, you know, people were worried about me and rightfully so. It's not something that I would ever do, you know, in my, where I'm at currently in my life. But at the time, just this, this overwhelming sense of wanting to not be where I was at and get home. And I am sure I am confident that the people that I work with saw this and didn't quite know what to make of the fact that I would just leave like that and not reach out to people. I have no answers. You know, I have no explanation other than to say that I couldn't be there. And, you know, the next morning, once I felt like I could, I reached out to people and said, hey, I'm okay. I'm sorry for worrying people. Things definitely, I think, shifted. You know, this wasn't the only incident where I had to escape. I actually went to another thing with another work friend and I was supposed to spend the night at her house and we were having a really great time. We had gone out to dinner, had a lovely dinner together. We get back to her place and I literally looked at her and I I go, I need to leave. And she was like, you know, what's going on? Are you okay? And I, I just said, I need to leave. And so it was the same, same exact feeling that I got at the party that I was at. And I cannot describe just this overwhelming sense of panic that would overcome me when I was away from my place. My ex-husband was still living at our home. Part of it was, again, just not knowing if he was going to come home, if I was going to be by myself again. And so on the one hand, it's crazy to think that I would want to go back to the place that I was filled with uncertainty, but it also was my safe place. Again, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I think the point for me is that if you know somebody that's going through this, it's a traumatic experience to all of a sudden be thrust in a situation that you never expected. And one of the things that I absolutely will admit to, because it's silly not to, is that I didn't have the perfect marriage. I understand that. My ex-husband and I definitely had issues, but we'd been together for 30, you know, over 30 years. And during those 30 years, there were plenty of things that we had to work through. I just had always thought that we would always be able to work through stuff. And this latest thing of him just not being happy, it wasn't a sudden unhappiness. Looking at it in hindsight, I recognize that he had been unhappy for a while. I just never thought that the unhappiness would manifest itself in such a way that he thought that the only way that he could be happy would be to leave the marriage. When you're going through this, people will tell you, hey, if you ever need anything, I'm here. They will express that they care about you. For myself, what has been the most helpful 
helpful because I have a really hard time, especially when I am in my moments of deep darkness. I have a really hard time reaching out. And so what has been most helpful for me is when I have somebody reaching out to me, I would have people say to me, hey, if you ever need me to come over, all you need to do is text or call. Well, it kind of leaves the burden of reaching out on the person who's going through something that's very traumatic. I think what would be the better approach would be sending a text, calling that person and saying, hey, I was thinking about you today, wanted to make sure you were okay. Do you need me to come over? Or even sending a text and saying, hey, I'm in the area. I'm going to stop by and see if you want to hang out for a little bit. I think that kind of more overt reaching out would have been extremely helpful to me at the time. And it's something that I wish that... I didn't have to ask for. I recognize that I'm a grown woman and that I should be able to express when I need help or when I need somebody to come and hang out with me. During those early months, I don't know if it was shame. I don't know if it was just this overwhelming feeling of sadness and not wanting to burden anybody else with my sadness. It was really hard for me. That was something that was incredibly difficult for me to do. And I don't know if other people who go through this, if they also find that really difficult. And I I guess I just would really love to know if you're listening in those early months, would you have liked to have somebody, you know, or people just reach out more to you and not just assume that if they didn't hear from you that everything was okay. The other thing is that, you know, life moves forward. But one of the things I always come back to is that grief is not a linear process. You know, there's going to be bumps in the road and there's going to be times where you feel like you are several steps backwards. But the people around you, they're not dealing with the aftermath in the way that you're dealing with the aftermath. I I think that a year out, two years out, there are people that don't really want to hear about it anymore. And they want you to move on and they want everything to be okay. That also then is very isolating because I think especially in this era, the the time that we live in now, you know, I'm not opposed to divorce. I get that people divorce. I get that people grow apart. But when it is done in the way that it happened for me when it was done in the way that was hap- that it happened for other women. It's truly something that many of us didn't expect. And I would never wish anything bad on my ex-husband. But in some respects, I really honestly believe that if he had died, that I think the sympathy that people would show to me even two years out would be much different than the fact that we got divorced. Again, I just think it's because we live in a time where people, and rightfully so, people are told to find what's going to make them happy. And I fully believe that. The problem I have with that is if it's not communicated that you're unhappy and if you don't give the person that you're with the opportunity to help you work through that and they are blindsided, then 
And to me, it's selfishness. And it's not just you that you are impacting when you decide that it is the fault of the other person as the reason to why you're unhappy. The fallout of what happened in my situation, it wasn't just me that this impacted. You know, it has impacted my kids and it has most likely will impact our grandkids. Nobody should stay married if they are in a situation that they do not feel is a good one for them. I fully support that. But I, for myself, I really honestly wished he would have given me, truly given me the opportunity to help him through this, would have kept an open mind, would have kept an open heart. And I think that even though it still would have been painful, if ultimately we had decided to end the marriage, I don't think it would have impacted me in the way that this impacted me and the way that impacts other people. So I think for those that know somebody who's going through this, don't forget about them. Know that for some for some of us, it may be several years before we truly feel like we're at a place of, I can't even say complete healing because, and, and again, this is where I struggle because I, I just don't believe in putting things out into the universe that are that are bad or to say never because I don't believe in nevers. But what I was going to say is I don't know if I will ever completely be 100% healed from the end of my marriage. And that is because I truly loved him and I truly thought that we had a marriage that we would die, you know, being married to each other. I had fully anticipated a future of growing old with him. So again, you know, life moves forward and I think people expect you to move forward as well. And I think that for those who are in our lives, I'm just asking that you be aware that we're still grieving and there are going to be times where we, you know, we take several steps back and we are not, we're not stuck. It's just that getting through this takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of time. And when I say that, I honestly think that had he died, that people wouldn't, would be treating me differently. I honestly believe that because I, you know, there are no cards, no cards for people who are going through a bad or traumatic divorce. There are no flowers that get sent. There are no potluck dinners after the the end. And instead, we are told that we should embrace being single. We should embrace our independence. We should embrace all the great things that now can happen to us, you know, that we are no longer married. But you know what? I loved being married and I loved having a partner. I loved having somebody that I could come home to every day after work. And knowing that that's no longer my reality when for 30 years, that's what I thought my reality was going to be. I do not think It is realistic to expect me or anyone who has been in a long-term relationship to just get over it and just to move forward. So I'm going to end the podcast 
with a quote like I usually do. And this is actually, I think somebody posted this on either Facebook or Twitter. I'm not really sure. But her name is Jennifer Wright. And she goes by, yeah, it's Twitter. So she goes by the Twitter handle of at Jen Ashley Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T. And this is what she writes. And I love this. People talk about caterpillars becoming a butterfly as though they just go into a cocoon, slap on wings, and are good to go. Caterpillars have to dissolve into a disgusting pile of goo to become butterflies. So if you're a mess, wrapped up, and blankets right now. Keep going. So that's today's podcast. I just want to remind you again that first of all, I'm going to thank the incredible response I've gotten from the interview that I did with Vicki Stark. She posted a link in her newsletter and I am now at over 1300 downloads. I know I'm under no illusions that I could have done that on my own. So I want to thank Vicki Stark again for doing the interview and for posting the link on her newsletter. Um, And if you're not aware, Vicki Stark is the author of the book Runaway Husbands. Um, I will include a link to the book in my um, podcast notes. She is a wonderful wealth of information having gone through this experience herself. So I also want to thank the people who are listening. I sometimes, you know, I'm not even going to say sometimes. I typically do my podcast basically in an outline. And so none of this is scripted. I just kind of say things as I'm thinking them through. And so the fact that you listen to me kind of ramble on at times, um, I'm forever grateful. Again, I'm doing this as a way of healing for myself. I'm doing this as a way of providing a voice to other people who have gone through what I've gone through. And, you know, the emails that I'm receiving, again, the the comments that I'm receiving tell me that I'm on the right path. And in the future, I'm going to actually read some of the emails that I've gotten because it's just blown me away. And I am so thankful, so very thankful for the people who continue to listen to this podcast. Just a reminder, you, you can find me on Apple Podcast. Stitcher, Google Play, and I am hosted on Podbean and all of these um, various places to listen to the podcast all provide different apps. So make sure you download the app. These are the different places that you can listen to me. And then where can you find me? You can find me on Instagram at I am Crystal Hall. My first name is spelled C-H-R-I-S-T-A-L. I also have a blog called it's never too late to try.com. I really do need to update it and plan on doing that over the next few days. And then I have also created a Facebook group that is specific to this podcast. It's it's called Overcomer with Crystal Hall. And so make sure you search for that. As always, I do include links to the different places that you can find me in my podcast notes. Again, just a reminder, you are an overcomer and we can live a full life after. Thank you.